Welcome to the OnClick podcast. I'm Chloe Brandrick and here's the second part of my interview with Omi Sido, Senior Technical SEO at Canon Europe. What I also wanted to ask you about is something we've seen recently on the SERPs where um, it's not necessarily an SEO ranking factor, but um, the length of meta descriptions. I think it's since November um, last year, um, Google seems to be showing kind of up to four lines um, of text rather than the traditional two lines. And although this isn't like a, a ranking factor, it can be make or break in terms of whether um, a user chooses to click on your link and Therefore. Exactly, exactly. Funny enough, I was talking about this thing actually two, almost two years ago, long time before Google actually decided to increase the number uh-huh. of characters in the in the meta description. You know, because people were uh, discussing the, uh, this thing and arguing a lot about what the perfect length uh-huh. of a meta description. There was never been a perfect length of, me- of a meta description because first. Google can always ignore your meta description sure, yeah. or page that page page that it, it's always been like that, you know, because they will literally adjust the meta description and the page title. They will try and marry marry them with the the actual query, right? Sure, yeah. And on top of that, people were always saying that um, uh, this number or that number, it all comes down. And funny enough, it all comes down to what. A machine learning algorithm like uh, RankBrain, and I hope I explained this. Uh, it's a bit complicated, but it's about what is the perfect length for a machine learning algorithm to understand the meta description. It's nothing to do with SEO, literally. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with SEO. In, even I believe there was um, uh, an SEO at one point who was trying to explain how the meta description is uh, seen by the Google bot. And it was never the number of, of, of characters that you were thinking was the right number or the, 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 the best number, you know? It was always something different. We uh, recently published a white paper based on our own research. Um, we looked at six different industries and to see how far um, this longer meta description was had been rolled out on the SERPs. But as you say, it's not, you can't guarantee that what you put in your meta description is going to be what Google shows for that query. And in a lot of the cases, it's um, Google was pulling through on page copy, which obviously felt was more relevant to the query. Um, yes, exactly. And, so, and again, I, I don't want to scare people, but it all comes down to the machine learning algorithm trying to answer a question, you know, because if for a specific query, the machine learning algorithm, Historically, it's been seeing people clicking on links that with a specific meta description, you know, and this meta description is missing, you know, yeah. in whatever case, but the machine learning algorithm still thinks that this page is relevant, you know, because the actual the algorithm actually sees the copy of the page, it will automatically pull something yeah. from the actual copy. It's very simple, actually. It's difficult to explain, but it's actually a very simple mechanism. To be honest with you, I'm a very big fan of page titles and meta descriptions, you know, because simply because they act as a free advertising online industry, right? If somebody, 
is looking for something and you give him the right page title and meta description, they will click. There is this um, argument online in the SEO world, whether they're important or not. But from my, um, from my experience, I had big websites where for whatever reason, developers messed it up and our meta descriptions were not up to scratch or they uh-huh. disappeared or whatever. We see almost instantaneously less clicks, almost instantaneously. You know, literally, if we made a mistake on Tuesday, on Wednesday, we already have, say, 50% less clicks, you know. So they are important and only us in the SEO world, because we are a bit more technical and because we all, we forget that uh, it's us, SEOs, and uh, the normal people <laughs> out there in the world <laughs> who don't necessarily have to act the way we think is yeah. the right way or the wrong way. So from my experience, yes, people should always optimize their meta descriptions and page titles. And if for whatever reason, Google is picking something else, you should really sit down and think, why? Exactly. Why is Google showing something else in my meta description? Why, for, uh, for a start, why showing my page? And then why it's showing something else? Why is not something that I think is right? You know, and when you ask those two questions, I've seen it many times, people are like, oh yeah, because our meta description is actually not describing <laughs> what this page is really about. I can, t- I can tell you that I've seen meta descriptions disappearing or being messed up at web- uh, on websites with more than a million pages. Gosh. And I can tell you for sure that almost instantaneously, I think million pages is representative enough, almost instantaneously, I saw drop in clicks. Not in ranking, not in ranking, mm-hmm. of course, because Google will still rank the pages. They're still relevant and stuff like that. But I'm talking about click-through rate. Okay, moving on to um, SEO tools then. What are your favorite SEO tools? Oh, my favorite SEO tools. <laughs> I will try and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, last, actually, you know what? Um, last week, and I, I had an interview with... Um, online interview with an Australian uh, university, and they asked, they asked me exactly the same question. <laughs> Funny enough, they asked me exactly the same question, so I'm going to give you exactly the same answer. Okay. <laughs> you know, but I'm going to try to explain it also, you know. I do not have a favorite SEO tool, one single SEO tool. I've got a set, set of S- favorite SEO tools, meaning... There is not even one single tool that I use every single day. But for sure, there is a set of tools that I'm using every single week. Now, why am I doing that? Simply because one tool is never enough to truly understand the task of a website. Or, you know, in other words, one tool is never enough to do an SEO task. For example, uh, my favorite SEO tool for technical audit is OnCrow, right? OnCrow. But OnCrow, yes. A French company called OnCrow. But 
all my SEO agencies, you know, are using deep grow. The trick here is sometimes I will see issues or trends or gains or losses, you know, I will see things, let's say, I will see things in OnCrow that my agencies do not see in DeepCrow. Right. Or and vice versa. Sometimes they will see something in DeepCrow that I do, just don't see in OnCrow. They will come to me and they will say, this section of your website, for example, rankings or visibility or visits or whatever, name it, is going down or going up. But I'll be like, well, I can't see anything like that in OnCrow. In that matter, using one single tool, you know, for whatever task, whatever you're doing in SEO, is just simply not enough. Put it also, bear in mind that I always work with big companies like Canon, Daily Mail, and stuff like that. So I really, really have to know what is happening, right? So I'm going to use OnCrow, they're going to use DeepCrow. I'm going to use Systrix to do a keyword research. All my agencies are using SEMrush. Sometimes they will see trends that I just don't see in Systrix, you know, because every tool has its specifics, you know. Sure. For the people, for the Systrix, sister, I, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, Systrix is yeah. a German company. Things that are important for the, peop- for the Systrix people may not be important for the people, for the ACMrush people, right? Yeah. You know, so, so their tool will simply not, flank these things as important. The, the Cystic crawler and the ACM Rush crawler are different crawlers. They will literally come to your website and they will crawl your website in a different way. Don't get me wrong. When it comes to Cystic or an ACM Rush, most of the time I see the same thing. Most of the time. Meaning they're both very good. But there will be those crazy moments when somebody will find something in ACM Rush. I'm talking about uh, the ACOs around me, you know, either my team or uh, uh, SEO agency. That if, if I'm just using Systrix, I'll just, I'll just not see it and I'll be in trouble. So I always advise companies, ACOs, especially people who are doing uh, technical SEO. One, two is never enough for me. You know, it, it's, whether we're talking about technical audits or keyword research. One, two is never enough. But as I, I already mentioned them anyway, you know, OnCrow, when it comes to technical audits, DeepCrow as well, very good. SEMrush and Systrix, you know. Of course, let's not forget the search console. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> many people, many, many people just don't go there. <laughs> this is so wrong. Yeah. You know, a free tool by Google, and we're talking about Google, we are literally fighting <laughs> with Google every single day. They're giving you the information for free. Why not use it? Why not use it? And then one thing that I always try to um, explain to people, being an SEO basically means, especially when it comes to technical SEO, means, you gather the data, but how do you present this data to the stakeholders? And this is always the, the, big, the biggest disconnect between ACOs and, and businesses, not just stakeholders, businesses, you know. It's not enough to have data. Having data is good, 
but understanding the data, or in a way after that, explaining the data to your clients, for me, it's, uh, you know, it's gold. Yeah. So in that matter, you know, there are a lot of tools there for visualization, you know, name it, there's so many of them, including the Google own tool. So as I said, gather, having data is good, but it's not enough. So what, what would you, for the um, data visualization, what would you recommend as a good tool or, the, or tools for that? Uh, since I joined Canon, I've literally, I don't want to say forced, <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of imposed my vision of using Google Data Studio. It's easy yeah. to use. It's free and it's easy to use and it's already connected to Search Console yeah. and uh, GA. So literally, since I joined Google and because of me now, the whole kind of Europe, every single person who wants to know the seed and, uh, and um, deal with data is using the Google Data Studio. It's easy to learn and literally, I don't know, I can't imagine anything better than Google Data Studio. Free. Finally then, Omi, from your from a personal perspective, what do you enjoy most about working in SEO? Whoa, what a strange question. <laughs> uh, I, I, me personally, uh, you know, I, I come from technical background. Before be, uh, being an SEO, I was a front-end developer. So I was literally building websites for for companies. And um, uh, one thing that was always kind of pissing me off, you know, was that people will build a website for the sake of having a website. For yeah. me, it was more about like, I'm going to build this website because I literally want, want this business to succeed, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who I love numbers, but I also love people, meaning that I like the whole idea of building a website that people are going to like, that people are going to enjoy. I love my job in general. You know, I say this a lot, you know, online as well. But the whole idea that I will take something so digital and apply, and apply to human beings, is, is it clear? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand, yeah. That's a good answer. You know, <laughs> I've always been interested in, um, I've always been uh, talking since I was a kid, you know, about robots and the future and virtual <laughs> realities and all this stuff. You know, I think I read the, this book, I Robot. I think oh, I was yeah. literally six years old. You know, I'm not joking. My mom told me you were literally six years old when you read this book, I Robot. You know, not many people don't even uh, don't even know that there is a book called I Robot. <laughs> you know the film, probably, but not the book. They, they know the they, they, yeah, exactly. They know the movie, but they don't know the the, the movie is based on this uh, book by this Russian guy. I don't remember the name to be honest with you. Uh, the actual guy. Um, I read this book when I was literally six years old, and since then I've always been interested in this. Um, transition between human beings and virtual reality and all this stuff. And, you know, my job is exactly that. I look at numbers, you know, I look at numbers, dry, boring numbers. Some people may say, you know, like my 
my um, uh, family and stuff, they don't really understand what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I look at dry, uh, boring numbers, but those deep, the dry, boring numbers, in my mind, are actual real human beings, you know? And exactly. This is yeah. exactly what I love about my job, to be honest with you. And it's so difficult to explain it as well. <laughs> no, I think it explains it really well. Um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks, Amy. I mean, that's been it's been um, great talking to you and some really interesting points yeah. made thank there. You. Thank you for having me here today.